Hey, everyone. It's Russ, and welcome to another episode of Women's Retirement Radio. Uh, today, I'm really happy to be joined by a, a friend of a few years, uh, as well as a fellow professional uh, that happens to work with a lot of women like I do, uh, Ronnie Genser, who uh, created and runs uh, an interesting company called Bereavement Navigators. So, uh, Ronnie, welcome. Thanks so much, Russ. Um, so let me tell you a little bit about, about myself. Um, but I want to talk about first, prior to founding Bereavement Navigators in uh, 2012, my professional background included over 20 years in international and domestic sales, marketing, training, and consulting. In addition to my sales and marketing career from um, during the period of 20, um, 2006 to 2018, I served on the board of directors of the Lewy Body Dementia Association, which my mother had uh, that disease for approximately 12 years. As a board member and subsequent volunteer over a five-year period from 2006 to 2011, I created the Louis Bay Dementia Support Group Network of almost 100 support groups, which span 36 states in the province of Ontario, Canada. This support group network continues to provide families and caregivers the resources to cope with the life changes wrought by Louis Bay Dementia, an incurable progressive disease that currently ravages 1.3 million Americans. However, big point here, my international and domestic sales and marketing career path took an unexpected turn after the southern de sudden death of my husband, Dr. Sandy Weinberg, an associate professor of healthcare management at Clayton State University um, here in Metro Atlanta, as well as an internationally renowned FDA regulatory affairs consultant to the pharmaceutical, medical device, and biological biologics industry. Um, he died unexpectedly on October 8th, 2011, so it'll be 10 years this year, at age um, 61 after complications from a heart attack, having spent two days in the ICU at Northside Hospital here in Atlanta and seven days in the cardiovascular ICU at St. Joseph's Hospital. Um, a little more information about myself with hopefully a little humor here is we married in our early 50s. It was my husband's um, uh, second marriage, my first. So I called myself a first time. Here's the humor, hopefully. I'll be a menopausal bride. We were married for 10 and a quarter years. Yeah, well, thanks for uh, thanks for sharing that, Ronnie. Um, I think that paints a pretty colorful picture of both your background professionally, but also gives our listeners a little bit of an insight into your personal background. And, and I know uh, it's no uh, accident that you mentioned your um, husband's um, unexpected death, um, as that has, I, I think... Uh, I don't want to take words out of your mouth, but I, I think that's really informed and uh, led to a lot of what you do today. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what Bereavement Navigators is and the work that you do and the people that you serve? Perfect. Um, yeah, and you're co uh, correct. That absolutely has impacted my life um, completely. This was obviously my business was not planned before um, this event, and it was even a couple of years after the death of my husband, that I um, was encouraged to do this type of work. So the things I, I learned about what I needed to do after um, Sandy's death, including how to organize the numerous and unexpected tasks, the resources I found, and the tips I learned, I now share in my work as what I call a bereavement navigator with widows, widowers, adult children, and other relatives um, or friends who have lost a loved one in hopes that my knowledge will make the myriad of tasks and the journey ahead easier for them. Since for me, it was, um, I did not have any friends um, who were widowed or widow, widows or widowers when my husband died. This work is similar to what a Sherpa does, someone who guides help and helps people navigate in places and situations they have never been in before. However, because my experience also taught me that being well-prepared before death is one of the greatest gifts you can give a loved one or a friend if the friend is taking over for you. I also work with healthy couples, partners, and individuals to help them prepare, or in some cases, better prepare their affairs long before they experience a short-term or long-term incapacitation, such as a broken arm, it could be a broken arm, um, where in the short term, they can't pay bills on their computer, um, or a, a long-term, such as a dementia diagnosis, or even their own death. This work sometimes um, is referred, I, I, I refer to this work sometimes as succession planning of a different kind, because it in many ways is similar to a lifeboat drill, 
because for many people, it not only um, becomes a wake-up call, but it also affords their loved ones an opportunity to practice what they'll face in the future while realizing there is no perfect preparation. There's always something that um, we forget to, to tell our loved one about what, they'll, uh, about what we own or where something is or a password or whatever. There's no perfect preparation, but at least if they do the work then um, beforehand, that things will go so much easier than they did for, um, for me. As a result, my goal is to offer my clients and their loved ones the priceless gift of peace of mind, knowing the potentially myriad of tasks their loved ones will face will be much easier, less time-consuming, and more, most importantly, less stressful. So you covered a lot there. Um, some, of, some, of the, some of the main things I took away is it sounds like um, kind of being thoughtful, thinking ahead, planning, uh, you know, planning and, and thinking through maybe the steps that need to be taken or uh, maybe planned for um, in the event of a, of a death or, or as you mentioned, even, even, you know, maybe a short-term disability, uh, depending on, mm-hmm. depending on the people's circumstances. But from your perspective, Ronnie, what would you say is the biggest challenge that you help people address or solve through your work at Bereavement Navigators? Yeah, Russ, before I address that, I want to say both, um, I should have mentioned it before, but both um, short-term and long-term incapacitation. So long-term incapacitation would be something like a dementia disease or something like that. So I wanted people to just, I guess I mentioned short-term before, because I think it's one of the things people don't realize, especially if you're healthy, never think about, you know, right, right. that that could happen. And and it isn't a death and the person's probably going to get well, but um um, but it, it does happen. Um, so, so I'll go on and say, what's the big, to answer your question about the biggest challenge, um, that I help people address or solve. Um, so, um, what I'd like to do is to talk about the two major, um, service offerings that my business offers, because it really is, they're two different, um, in marketing terms, two different target markets. So the first, um, part of my business, um, was when I first started was I was only thinking about after a death services. And, um, and um, this involves helping clients after a death, figure out what to do, when to do, including, are there any deadlines and how to solve the tasks ahead of them, especially since they may not have encountered any or many of these tasks for each person. These tasks um, typically are very different. The combination of losing a spouse, partner, or parent, as well as serving as the executor of that person's estate with its myriad of complex tasks and deadlines can be overwhelming for many people. Several years later, people came to me and and kind of when they'd heard that message, kind of got what I call sort of frightened a little and said, oh my gosh, Um, there would be two cases. One would be, um, we've put together some documents for the um, person who will take over um, we think we're okay, but there might be holes. Can you work with us and see where our holes are and, and tell us what we need to do to fill in the holes? And the other one was, oh my gosh, we've done nothing. And what you're telling us has really frightened us. And we really need to um, get on board here and start putting together um, these kinds of, this kind of information for the one who needs to take over, whether it's due to incapacitation, short-term or long-term or death. So I call this second service that evolved uh, major service offering. I was a marketeer, so I talk in terms of service offerings. Um, it's called before death service. And this service off, um, offering involves working with each client so they develop their own customized set of documents specific to their situation with all the information, their loved one, other family member, or in some cases, a friend, because if someone's single and they don't have um, uh, close relatives nearby, or there aren't any um, living relatives because um, they have a small family that, um, so I use the term friends sometimes, will need should they either become incapacitated or die, and that most people don't realize, and in many cases haven't even thought about, and hence don't include in their end of life planning. So I have one example I'd like to um, to share with your um, audience, just a quick one. One yeah, of many lists, if that's okay. Absolutely, that'd be great. Okay, okay. So I'll call it the do- the doctor slash drug list. Um, I'll tell you this: that mine is, and I don't even take drugs. I mean, basically, other than over the counter stuff. So there's lots of more detail that I'm not even going to. We don't have time to talk about. But um, it's a list that I carry with me in my wallet. 
it's a wish a list that I have five other places, including the um, uh, glove compartment of my car for EMS. God forbid I have a car at wreck and um, several other places, as well as my um, sister and brother who each live on, um, one lives on the East Coast, one lives on the West Coast, have um, copies of. So um, what's really important in that drug doctor or drug list is obviously a list of your doctors, a list of your drugs, but it's also the level of detail that needs to be included in this document to be useful. Um, it also includes the fact that uh, this, doc this document needs to be continuously updated immediately after each piece of the data changes. So if you go to the doctor, you can't wait a week to just say, okay, they changed the prescription or they increased the dosage of something, I'll get to it next week and next week doesn't come and you forget about it. So, um, and then you have to make sure that you distribute it wherever you want it distributed to, including, as I say, your wallet. And I'll tell you why that's important to, um, somewhere, either if not in here, remind me and I'll tell you why at the end. And the number of, and as I talk about, the number of places a printout of this document needs to reside and not on a phone or in a computer for a loved one, um, uh, reside one for a loved one, two for a family member or friend, as well as for EMS. EMS doesn't have a lot of time. I will tell you this, I've listened to a zillion um, now EMS people on various Zoom calls. And when they talk about um, coming to, um, to someone's home or an accident, they don't have time to go looking for um, go looking on phones or, or figuring out if you filled in your emergency contacts and things like um, like that. So um, to make sure that um, that you do have your emergency contacts filled in, and that if you do have, let's say, a note that says "Go look in my drug uh, my glove compartment," then or you have signed up for what's called Smart um, uh, 911.com, which is a national free um, service paid for by each um, city or um, geographic area that subscribes to it. So I live in Sandy Springs, Georgia. They've subscribed to it. Several other places in Metro Atlanta have, but not all places have. But that's a great way to keep all of that information. And um, so it has to be immediately accessible, especially in a um, crisis when it's needed and um, whatever. So people really have, so there's really a lot to learn here. It's just not like make a list of your, your doctors and your drugs, you know, or your vaccination. And people don't even think of your vaccinations, your allergies, all this kind of stuff. So that's what I talk about in terms of the level of detail. What I, I appreciate that example. And I, and I, I assume that's just one small example oh. of the broad scope of everything that you would cover in an engagement with with uh, a person or a family you're working with, correct? Minuscule. However, I do put it close to the, of all the things that we talk about, it's not at the very top, you know, things like um, advanced directives and stuff like that, you know, the real legal documents are all at the top of my list of, you know, things I want to talk to people about, but it's it's not far down from there because I think it's so vital because we never know what can happen to us. And, you know, um, I guess, let me interject now. Let me talk about my husband's wallet and things like that, because this is really vital. Um, when he had his heart attack, it was um, not expected and um, called, I was about to, uh, you know, uh, call EMS. And because he said to me last, one of the last words he actually spoke to me was, I think I'm having a heart attack. And then he did say, get a piece of paper and a pencil. I'm going to tell you what drugs I had today. They're going to ask you that at the hospital and get my wallet. Um, and so I did. Um, and he quickly told me the drugs he had taken. And, um, and obviously this is way before I had my business. So that's why I insist upon people thinking about uh, creating this kind of list. I never force people to do stuff, but I tell them why. And when I got to the hospital, I gave them the, they did ask me first thing, what has he had today? So, because we don't want any, um, uh, you know, conflicts here in terms of um, medications or allergies or whatever. And then the other reason I finally did learn why I took his wallet. And the thing, uh, the reason that he told me that was because he knew that the first thing they, next thing they ask you is what's your insurance. And rather than tell me what it was, he knew the card was in his wallet. So yeah. Oh. People have no idea the volume of information they really need to give their loved one. It's just incredible. It is incredible. And if you start now 
for retirement. You don't have to spend your retirement doing it. So, yeah. Well, I'm just floored by your husband's presence of mind in a situation like that to, to tell you to, Hey, Hey, grab a pen or pencil, write this yeah. down and grab my wallet. That, yeah. uh, that is, that was amazing for which I, for which I feel very blessed. But I think in my introduction, I, you know, I did say he was an F, an international um, FDA and regulatory affairs consultant. So he was heavily involved in um, the ethical drug industry and teaching people how to get their drugs through the FDA. So every, so the good news is everything I read now about um, uh, COVID vaccines and how they're getting FDA approval and all this is all vocabulary. I know and I don't have to look up. So yeah. it's kind of a blessing. So, so I think you've begun to give us a, a, a good foundational idea of the work you do, uh, the people you work with, the scope of services, as well as the level of detail you get into, but from a more, uh, to give our listeners kind of maybe a more practical uh, example or to draw maybe a clearer picture, could you maybe share a, a favorite client success story from uh, from your work over the last several years? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I made some notes about this because I wanted to give you something I, to, I think to the audience will seem unusual, but I want to tell you that almost every client has their own issues, very different. Would I have ever expected somebody to call me for this kind of service? No but I knew how to do it. And I'm going to talk about that and what happened. So I want people to understand that it's um, every client is unique and every consulting assignment is very different. Um, um, so I've chosen after a death consulting assignment um, just because I had a good example. I could have chosen a before a death consulting assignment, but I chose an after a death one. One of my clients um, uh, was um, uh, was I was going to say because she thinks we're so successful she hasn't needed to call me back but I'll say is the mother of one of my neighbors um, here in Atlanta she lived in South Africa most of her life married and had two sons one of her sons lives next door to me after her husband died and uh, and if I remember correctly she and her husband were both in their late 50s or 60s when he died so reasonably young also, she later met one of her late husband's business associates who lived in South Florida. After a whirlwind romance, they married. However, he was much older than she was and later suffered from ill health. After she died, she called me to say she wanted to become a client, but I couldn't imagine why she wanted my help because she was now twice widowed. And I thought she had, quote, been there, done that, referring to all the after death tasks. I initially had no idea what I could share with her but she didn't already know. She then told me what she needed my help with was to know what the difference um, between what she needed to do here in the United States after death was what one needed to do in South Africa. So at first I had no idea how I would learn what one needed to do in South Africa in a timely and cost-effective manner. However, after pondering her request for a few minutes, I realized I did not need to know what, she, what one needs to do in South Africa. I only needed to tell her what she needed to do here. I also told her that um, at our in-person meeting, if I started to mention something she already knew, she should just tell me to skip this task and for me to move on, which I did. Um, so as a result, my preparation for our meeting consisted of putting together a customized list of initial things she might need to do. I then met with her after I'd um, done all of this um, preparation work. I then met with her for a few hours, um, number one, going over the tasks I felt based on her own specific situation she needed to do. Number two, asking her questions along the way. And three, adding a few more things she needed to do based on our discussions to her list. She was thrilled with this consulting session. She um, not only told me my prep time and our meeting time was well spent, but also that the topics, the detail and the direction of what she wanted to know, as well as what she needed to do to move forward after the death of her second husband in terms of tasks, was exactly what you wanted to um, learn. So who would have expected I would have had something as unique as this? Yeah, that's a uh, engagement. Yeah. yeah but it was fun. A, I mean, it was fun. It was interesting, you know, for both of us. And I was really happy that she was happy. Well, yeah, of, of course, uh, you know, happy clients are, uh, are kind of what makes our work all worthwhile. But um, another couple of ideas or questions that came to mind hearing you describe that, Ronnie. Um, how do how do your clients typically find you? Is it just word of mouth? I mean, I know I know you mentioned in that one example that it was the mother of one of your next or yeah. one of your neighbors. Oh, yeah. but, um, um, good question. Um, one, I never know until I ask them. 
and I don't have, um, you know, I can't say that one, I'm going to give you some ways, but that one way works better than another. But I, but coming from a sales and marketing background, I um, try and go broad and deep in terms of um, networking within uh, professionals within um, within the senior industry who work in the senior industry, um, networking in terms of um, speaking engagements in a variety of places um, uh, and organizations, including um, faith communities. Um, general organizations, um, uh, social, non-social organizations within, you know, various communities doing um, um, uh, speak engagements now over Zoom, you know, as well, it used to be in person, um, just a variety of, of people. I mean, because this is a, a kind of business where almost anybody is a prospect, you know, something I used to have be able to narrow the prospects down. And yes, in a sense, I can, because it's after death consulting, it's usually, you know, a relative or a friend of somebody who's died. But before death consulting is really um, anybody. So there's no one good way. I, I just feel like I just keep building a um, huge um, contact database, you know, of people that I've met along the way who seem to be interested in either uh, one or both aspects of my business. Um, and even if they don't give me business, as my late husband used to f- say when he was well, um, when we would talk about sales and marketing, everybody has a cousin, friend, brother, sister, colleague, um, you know, and so you just never know. So when the phone rings, I have, you know, sometimes no idea how they found me. Sometimes I do, but I just kind of keep, you know, putting stuff out there. Yeah. And getting my getting my name out there, and and especially not only the name of my business, because because the name isn't probably the best, but it was the best we could do at the time. Um, uh, some friends and I worked on it for a long time, um, so that people know what I do. So I'm also really appreciative that you asked me to do this today. Yeah, well, I'm happy. You know, I'm happy to you know be able to share our conversation with with our our listeners. Um, I, I you and I've known each other for a few years now, and I've always been fascinated by the work that you do. So I'm I'm happy to give you a small platform to, you know, share a little bit more yeah. detail about, you know, what it is you do I, and who you do it for. Thanks. I also want to say that I really feel that Zoom has also been a great vehicle. So there are sometimes I now um, go to um, industry meetings or other types of meetings. Um, and because we're on Zoom, there are people there from all over the, you know, all over. And um, I've met a ton of people that way that I would never have met otherwise, you know, I mean, and formed relationships because we've continued talking or um, getting to know each other um, after that one particular um, uh, Zoom call. So, and I also think it's, it's, it's giving back. I mean, that's the other thing, volunteering. Um, I didn't talk about that, but I'm a real believer in volunteering and giving back and, but doing it um, with things that um, that you re- one really supports, you know, uh, so yeah. that it's an enjoyable situation. As well as sometimes I just come across something and I think it's really interesting for somebody I know, you know, a business colleague, and I just send send them a quick email and say you might be interested in this to further cement the relationship because this is all about relationships. Yeah, and and. Mentioning Zoom, I, I'm curious. I know I know you're based here in the Atlanta area, as am I. But do you mm-hmm. do you work just with people here locally, or do you, oh. can you work with people remotely as well? I, yeah, I work with people remotely all the time. I finally, you know, I learned. I said to myself, I have to learn how to be a host, and you know, and so yeah, so I I do that. I work with people um, remotely, and what makes it nice is because you can actually see the person you're working with. Because for before Zoom, I would work with people remotely, but um, it was all by, you know, straight telephone. So now I can see their face and we have more relationship and yeah, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's nice. Well, you know, as you, as you know, uh, and our listeners know, this is women's retirement radio. So, you know, much of what we cover, we want to kind of tie into retirement and retirement planning, especially as it relates to women. So um, Ronnie, I'm curious when, when you think of the word retirement, what comes to mind for you personally? Um, uh, and think in preparing for today, I thought of like two words um, uh, that come to me, and then I want to detail out what they mean to me. The first of the two things is um, 
um, financially and the importance of financial planning. And secondarily, on a, um, a personal level, retirement means um, having a plan for what you want to do with your life during retirement, as well as um, uh, uh, as well as what did I write here? Um, should a spouse partner, or yeah, should a spouse partner um, die, uh, die, be incapacitated, or there be a divorce? So those were sort of the two topics. So if you give me a couple minutes, let me tell you some other notes that I I wrote down to um, sort of flesh out what I mean by this. Sure. So financially, and the importance of financial planning, not means to me not only for for how one will have a comfortable retirement and be able to do to do the things one wants to do, but also to plan for the rising cost of long-term care, which can be huge. So as an example, my mother, who I mentioned, <laughs> lived in Rhode Island and had Lewy body dementia for 12 years. And at that time, 12 years was considered incredibly long time. Um, not so much now. It's, it's, I can't say it's as common, but it's more common. And she was able to stay at home for the first three and a half years with my father, Later, it was determined they both needed assisted living, so they moved there and lived in an assisted, uh, assisted living facility for two years. But during that time, during, I guess, the last six months, my father had a heart attack, three strokes and another heart attack in a six-month period. To be honest, each time we thought he was going to die. Um, because they now needed, uh, both needed a higher level of care, they moved to a great a nursing home called Steer House, S-T-E-E-R-E House in Rhode Island where my father lived for three and a half more years and my mother lived for six and a half years, all due to what I call great care. It was an, also a nonprofit um, nursing home, but of just a phenomenal place. This experience reminds me to periodic of their long-term care and the costs involved and things like that. And um, my mother died second, which was in 2007. My father died in 2003, so long time ago. This experience reminds me to periodically run Genworth's cost of care. So for our listeners, if they want to go to this website, if you just put in Genworth cost of care, you'll get to it. Uh, you'll see their survey to not only learn um, uh, the, what the cost of care will be in, let's say, 20 or 25 years, as long as you can um, set it up to roll out in five years, 10 years, 15 years, whatever you want. Um, and I, I tend to run it every um, few year, every few years, just as a to see where things are, but I ran it a few months, just a few months ago, and I learned that the cost of long-term care from today until I think I did 25 years out um, would actually um, it would actually double, and so it also reminded me to continually um, plan for my long-term care um, premiums um, to pay them and to know that they're going to probably rise. Um, uh, continuously. So when I talk about financial, um, I really think that, uh, you know, this concept of planning for four years of long-term care, um, uh, which was sort of the mantra way back when, um, I think my parents were ill, um, is not enough. And I knew that. So I've planned, uh, I've planned for uh, quite a bit longer through a variety of vehicles. So um, some long-term care insurance and some my own um, uh, finances. So those are the two parts of financing. And um, secondly, on a personal level, where retirement means having a plan for what you want to do with your life during retirement, um, as well as should a, um, God forbid, a spouse partner um, be incapacitated, die or there be a divorce, um, I want to tell another story because uh, I think I also think stories are important, which came about after um, when after um, grieving the death of my husband, I began to focus on um, finding things and people meaning. And when I talk about people in this example, I mean, communities of people that make me happy. So it was about a year and a half after my husband died and I stopped crying every day. Doesn't happen to everybody, but it did to me. And I didn't cry all day, every day, but it seemed every once in a while I'd cry because I, I, I truly loved him, I suddenly realized I was feeling better and wondered why. When I examined my life, I realized I had created a new life based on what I now call a three-legged stool or a foundation based on three communities of people. I viewed one leg of my stool as my work, meaning my bereavement navigator business. Another leg was my involvement in my faith community. I'm a pretty active member at my synagogue. And um, 
and the third leg was my volunteer work with an organization here in Atlanta called Assistance League, it's Dash Atlanta, meaning the Atlanta chapter. It's a community of approximately 250 women and some men, um, sometimes spouses, sometimes not spouses, um, whose mission and the mission of Assistance League is to help women and children in need. Funds to do this work come through their thrift store called Attic Treasures, uh, if you live here in Metro Atlanta, on Broad Street in a town called Chambly, Georgia, um, just north of Metro Atlanta, where we all are involved in some capacity, either working in the warehouse, kind of like at Goodwill when you drop stuff off, managing a department, meaning, you know, could be children's clothes or um, uh, the men's department, working in the store at the register or on the floor or in some project that brings in revenue, for example, I sell all the um, real gold and sterling silver that comes to the store to private companies who buy their gold and silver because we get more money than if we just sold a 14 karat gold ring because we could never sell it in the thrift store for what it's really worth. Hence, I, I then viewed my life as what I call a balanced three-legged stool with three very different purposes and communities, each of which enriches my life and contributes to building my personal and in parenthesis, nine financial legacy. So that's what I call the um, personal part of um, retirement. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Um, and and before I forget, by the way, I know I know you've mentioned a couple of resources in our conversation so far, like uh, Smart Nine One One, the Genworth Cost of Care uh, Survey, which is actually a tool that I often use with my clients. Uh, and then you most uh, recently mentioned this. Uh, uh, tell me again, it's Assist League. Assistance, assistance, assistance league dash Atlanta. Great. And so, you can just, and you can just Google that too, and up will come with a cut the website. And if you click on uh, on the menu tab at the top, click on thrift store, you'll see all the information. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. The reason I mentioned those is we'll be sure to include links to uh, to each of those resources in oh, okay. the show notes for this episode as well, so anyone that's listening can can get to them pretty quickly and easily. Okay. And if, and if after this, if you want to um, call me, remind me, I'll just send you the direct links. I'm happy to do that. So okay, perfect. Um, yeah, yeah, perfect. So from your perspective, uh, Ronnie, both both as a woman, but also in the work that you do through Bereavement Navigators, what, what do you consider one of the biggest challenges that women face um, that, or that's specific to women when they're planning for retirement? Okay. Um, yeah, um, a couple of things. Not realizing there are two components related to a successful retirement, the financial component and the emotional or personal component that I just talked about. I don't think people think of that. You know, sometimes people just think of, oh, what trips are we taking or, you know, what are we doing? But there's really, you know, planning for this retirement in terms of financially. And, okay, so even if we have the money, what are we going to do for all these years? Because we're living longer. The emotional component also um, refers to, yeah, like what I said, what we'll do with their time for X years into the future that will make them happy. I feel when planning this part of retirement should consist of several activities a person enjoys, so not as to rely on one activity or one person to make them happy. Also, uh, if the woman is married or in a relationship, what will retirement look like, not only financially, but emotionally, if the husband, spouse, partner dies before retirement? Meaning, will these activities carry you forward? We have community. Um, we have to build new community, um, things like that. Also, will there be more or less money available? If more money, um, when will it, one, be available? And two, financially, the best time to access it now or, or later. So, for example, because my husband and I were in our early 60s, I could not... I could collect Social Security um, because you could start collecting, I guess, when you're a widow, I think it's 60. But um, was it financially feasible to do that? Or should I just take the money that I had and live off of that for a number of years and let and let um, the Social Security monies just keep increasing? Because I knew that, you know, costs increase, et cetera, and that maybe, you know, sacrifice a little now for more comfort um, um, later. So that's one thought. And so uh, number two, um, for example, I found that there's still a significant number of women who don't realize if their husband dies, there won't be two social security incomes each month. And while some women may, uh, thirdly, while some women may have more money after the death of a spouse or partner due to say an inheritance, the question they should immediately investigate is based on their own new needs, how long will this new money 
um, to them last. And if it isn't enough, then what happens? And to plan for that also. So I think those are uh, what I consider some of the things that really come to top of mind um, for that women face when planning for retirement. Yeah, and I, I appreciate that perspective. And, and it's interesting, a word that I, I keep hearing come up throughout our conversation, and, and I'm not surprised by this, is this idea of planning. So um, it, it seems to uh, permeate a lot of what you do in your work, Ronnie. It, it certainly is a, a key element of the work that I do with my clients. And we were talking um, before we started recording about how um, there's a difference between having a plan versus ongoing planning. Planning, yeah. Um, um, uh, we were kind of, um, I, I think, kind of joking about the fact that, you know, a plan is only as good as, you know, um, as what you know today. But but yeah. clearly, as life happens and evolves and things change, uh, some of those changes you can anticipate and see coming, many of them you cannot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that just... Um, emphasizes the need to have a degree of uh, vigilance and to regularly mm-hmm. look at all this stuff, whether it's your doctor and drug, drug list that you keep in your wallet, in your car, and the other places you mentioned, or mm-hmm. your financial plan or the other elements of, you know, planning mm-hmm. pre or post-death, um, you know, items that need to be addressed. So I just wanted to, to highlight that mm-hmm. because I, I think that's a, a really key takeaway from, from our conversation today, among, among many others. Yeah. And, and Russ, I really like your word um, vigilance, because I think, you know, people, um, when they think of planning, they do it in terms of um, a, a task, whatever, or a series of tasks, but they say, well, the task is done, I'm done. And then they never keep revisiting it. You know, I mean, yeah. um, it's, you know, nothing for me to just, you know, I go to the doctor, I come home, I know, if there's any pill changes or, um, you know, even vitamin, not because I do a lot of non-prescription stuff, but, you know, even vitamins or whatever, uh, maybe they up the, you know, the milligrams or something just to just do that right then and there, just do it, you know, update the list and distribute them or whatever, and um, just be done because people don't think about what happens if, you know, somebody has to take over for you or have to, or a doctor has, you go to the hospital, God forbid, and somebody looks at your list and it's not updated. They can only go with what they see. And nobody, and and I, I I get, I I really think that high percentage of people don't realize that concept. You know, I I think whether someone uh, hires me for financial retirement planning or hires hires you for consulting around, you know, pre or post death or, or other shorter long-term disability or uh, other similar situations, I think, um, I think the, there's a huge, you know, taking that first step is a huge benefit and a, and a huge um, accomplishment, but none of, none of this, none of this is set it and forget it. Um, it, it does require. Set it and forget so, it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 We're, we're, that's why we're friends. We're on the same page here. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so, so Ronnie, how would you say that your work uh, at, and the things you do through bereavement navigators, how does that impact women and their families as they plan for or make the transition into retirement? Um, I think that the, my before death service offering um, part of my business is really designed to help people document, as we've ta- as I've tried to allude to, all the things their spouse, partner, family member, or friend will need should they become incapacitated or God forbid die. My hope is by doing this work, they will be at peace. That's, I think, what I hopefully will give them if they will do this work. And can not only them, but their um, spouse, partner, um, family member, or friend, and that they can truly enjoy their retirement without the need to do this um, end-of-life planning work hanging over their head during retirement. You know, like, do it, you know... um, uh, as you're planning for retirement, just think of this as a series of tasks and we take it one at a time, you know, kind of in the order of importance and, you know, just get, just go do it because it's not something you can do in 20 minutes, unfortunately, if you do it well. And, you know, and the other thing is, I think, I always think, just think to people, don't you want to be remembered, you know, uh, um, uh, how do I want to word it? Um, uh, don't you want to have good memories of the one who was left behind as opposed to, oh, why didn't they do this or that, you know, to have made my life easier? Yeah. So, yeah, that's the consequences, really, a lot of times. People are really, 
upset or angry with their loved one, you know, after death. And they shouldn't, they should just have good memories. And that's what I want to give them. Yeah. And I, I, you could probably correct me if I'm wrong here, but I, I would also anticipate there's some kind of cognitive, cognitive dissonance around the fact that people need to think about plan, address these things, hopefully well ahead of the time that they're, they actually need to, you know, be acted upon. Um, I'm thinking specifically around like pre-death planning, but of yeah. course, of course, I, I think it's a pretty common knowledge here. No, no one likes to think about their own mortality or that of their partner, spouse, uh, family, and friends. So I would imagine there's, um, I, w- I would imagine it's, it's often difficult for people to take that first step to say, okay, I, I, I'm, I realize I need to, uh, I realize I need to work on this and, um, you know, I'm going to reach out to Ronnie, for example, to, to get some help with it. So, um, yeah, and, and it is. And what I try and tell people, I like to reframe it a little. I say, we're working on tasks, you know, we're not working on death. We're working on tasks. And, right. um, because when you think of your drug, your doctor drug list, what is it? It's a doctor drug list. You know, we're not talking about why we're doing it. We're talking about, we're just doing it, you know? Yeah. And, um, um, my doctor always likes to say when, you know, she has to deal with, um, or was talking about, um, death as she says, you know, we're all biological beings, you know, just like the fly in the room today, <laughs> you know, we're all biological beings, you know, don't people realize this? And I, I feel, yes, we don't always realize this and no, we don't want to think about it all the time, but we can think about lists and gifts that we're giving and feel good about giving this gift to our loved ones. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I think that's a, I think that's a great way to kind of start wrapping up the conversation, but um, uh, I'd, I'd like to share with our listeners a little bit more about you personally, Ronnie. So when mm-hmm. you've got, um, I know you're busy um, both with your company and the communities that you share with us, but when you've got a little time to yourself, uh, let's say an hour or two, how do you most enjoy spending your time? Um, pricing all the pins and rings that are donated to Assistance League Atlanta's um, uh, Thrift Store Attic Treasures, um, which I previously mentioned in selling the gold and the silver. I love doing that kind of stuff. I come from a jewelry family. It was custom jewelry in Rhode Island in the 1950s and early 60s. My grandfather owned a jewelry jewelry store. My father was in jewelry for a good part of his um, working life. He did some other things too, but he did that. So jewelry for me, especially pins and rings have always been my passion. Interesting. And just out of curiosity, um, uh, since that's an ongoing, um, you know, project that you're involved with, I mean, how many, how many hours does that typically take a a week for you? It could be forever because we get assistance league is a great place to donate stuff. And so we get a lot. So sometimes it ebbs and wanes, um, but I tend to do it um, sometimes while watching TV. <laughs> so yeah. like everybody else on the jewelry team who, you know, prices necklaces or bracelets, we do it in sort of like odd hours. It's not like I devote time. And in fact, I have tons of pins and rings to price right now because I've been really busy with um, with work and, um, uh, and other things in my life. So, um, yeah, but it's, we'll call it my hobby. Got it. That's, yeah, that's interesting. I'm glad you shared that. So. Ronnie, we've covered a lot today. I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation, as I always do when when you and I get a chance to to catch up. Um, if there were one thing our listeners could take away from our conversation today, what would you want that one one thing or one idea to be? Um, I think um, while planning for retirement, to include time um, during retirement or even before retirement to gather the information your spouse, partner, um, other family member, or friend will need after your death. I just can't stress that enough. It can be the greatest gift you can give yourself because when completed, as well as when you continuously update the information as needed, it will not only bring you peace, but also after your death, it will hopefully hopefully do likewise for whomever takes over for you, be it your spouse, partner, family member, or friend. If you do this, then know after then truly know that after your death, if they could, they would thank you. Yeah, I yeah, what a what a what a what a great and important note to kind of wrap things up on Uh, before we, before we wrap it up uh, for good today, Ronnie, is there any, anything else you want to cover or address anything I didn't ask you that you wish I I would have today? Yeah. Just a couple of things. Um, Over um, the past six months, the number of requests I've received for my speaking engagements has increased significantly. 
Um, in fact, uh, recently I've been invited by four, now I think this today five organizations to speak to their members. The title of my most popular requested presentation is called Making Advanced Care Planning Easier with a Georgia Pulse. That's spelled P-O-L-S-T and it stands for Physician Order for Life-Sustaining Treatment. Over the years, I've also presented uh, state-specific versions of the speech in Colorado, Florida, and Tennessee. Um, I just think um, if you, if uh, especially people who are um, on social on um, Medicare, um, the Pulse, the Physician Ordered Life Sustaining Treatment document, gives you many more options than Section Two, the Treatment Fre Preference Section of the Advanced Directive, as your in, in terms of um, your health wishes at end of life. And I talk about the differences between the two documents, why you need both documents and how to get um, not just all A, all B, or all C, as it is written in the advanced directive, but to have as many com combinations and permutations as you would like. So that's um, my, as I said, my most popular requested speaking engagement. So if anybody's interested, they can contact me. And um, I'd also um, like your audience to know that I'm always happy to speak to any organization, family group, or group of friends will provide a Zoom host and, and, and have, I sometimes like to say guarantee, but have 10 or more people in attendance. And that uh, my 23-page electronic handout, sometimes called the workbook on this topic, I will I send to the Zoom host for further dissem dissemination to all registered attendees a few days before the presentation so that everybody can print it out and so they can easily follow along while I'm speaking and they can take notes on it because it's just totally packed with um, information. Um, that um, more than they could actually read on a screen, but therefore they don't have to take notes of what's on the screen. They can just write notes on the document. So, um, so if anybody's interested um, in getting a group together or know of a group, I'm happy to do that. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. And just to clarify for folks that aren't familiar with the term advanced directive, um, that's more, more commonly referred to as a living will. Mm -hmm. um, but to Ronnie's point, the Pulsed uh, document can be a great uh, addition or um, actually serve in place of the advanced directive or living will in many cases. So um, definitely encourage our listeners to, to look further into that. Um, one caveat is it really only replaces um, section two, not replaces, but it's complementary to, that's the word we like to use, complementary to to section two, the treatment preference section of the um, Georgia um, advanced direct of the Georgia advanced directive. So you still need the other sections because um, as you know, there's the um, naming a healthcare agent, um, disposition of body, um, several other, um, uh, three other sections beside the treatment preference section. So you, you need both. Got it. Thanks for clarifying that. Um, yeah. So, so Ronnie, I'm sure people listening to this are probably going to be interested in learning more. Uh, and I know you mentioned that uh, you do speaking for, you know, groups uh, on Zoom or to, you know, community or other organizations, what, what would be the best way for someone to reach out to you to learn more, to, uh, to perhaps uh, schedule a time to speak with you or uh, learn about your speaking services, things like that? Um, my website is um, www.bereavementnavigators.com, spelled B-E-R-E-A-V-E-M-E-N-T. N-A-V-I-G-A-T-O-R-S, um, bereavementnavigators.com. And if anyone has a question, I really prefer people to call me at, and I'll tell you why in a minute, at 404-843-9460. Again, 404-843-9460. So I can quickly um, answer um, any questions they, can, they may have either about me or my business. And because I found that one question typically leads to another. So rather than engaging in numerous, numerous rounds of uh, long explanatory emails, um, which I really don't have time to do, it is easier and faster for both the caller and me to have a brief telephone conversation, which I'm happy to do. And in many cases, what someone might think is just a quick question really is not, um, does not have a short, um, maybe a short question, maybe a quick, I want to say it this way, is a quick question, but maybe not have a short and quick answer. Um, in addition, if interested, I'm also happy to provide anyone who calls me with my um, 
uh, extensive one-page bio document. It's um, a more extensive description of my background and my, biz my business offerings than what um, is currently on my website. And also another document, what I call my value-added document titled um, Suggested Gifts for a Widow, Widower, or an Adult Child When You Want to Help and Don't Know What to know what meaningful things you can do for someone after the death of a loved one. It was all the things that people creatively did for me. And I just decided I'd document them in sort of a time um, uh, order, meaning like at death, a few days after death, a month later, et cetera, things that you could do that, and none of them, um, most of them were free. I think the most expensive thing on there um, is a, um, a box of uh, manila file folders because you're going to need that for all the paperwork that you have lying around your desk. Um, and they probably, that costs under $25, probably the most expensive thing on the list. Yeah. Well, as I mentioned earlier, we'll be share, sure to share a link to your website as well as some of the resources that, uh, that you mentioned during our conversation. And um, I just want to say thanks, Ronnie. This, is, this has been great. Um, always enjoy speaking with you and uh, happy, happy to uh, be able to share our conversation uh, today with our listeners. Thanks ever so much for having me. I always love um, talking with you. It's just, it's just great and easy. And you ask very creative questions. So thank you. Yeah, well, thanks. And, uh, and thank, thanks to all of you out there listening. Uh, again, this has been another episode of Women's Retirement Radio. And uh, I look forward to catching up with you on our next episode. It's Russ again. And before you go, I want to provide a brief disclosure. You should consult a financial advisor familiar with the specific circumstances of your unique financial situation before making any financial decisions. Nothing in this broadcast constitutes a solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities. Any mentioned rates of return are historical or hypothetical in nature and are not a guarantee of future returns. I'm a financial advisor and an investment advisor representative of Wealthcare Capital Management, LLC an SEC-registered investment advisor based in Richmond, Virginia. The views discussed in this podcast are my own and may not be consistent with or represent those of Wealthcare Capital Management.